This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host for the evening, Gary, and joining me this evening is Chris. How are you doing, mate? Hello, good to be back. Very, very well, thank you. Finished my Christmas shopping today, so I feel finally prepared. Online? No, I actually popped into town after work this afternoon and did some last little bits and bobs. Wow, I'm I know. quite impressed. Actual quite real shopping, I couldn't believe it. I didn't enjoy it. No, I, did it. I, I don't. I don't think I've bought anything in a shop um, this time round. I'm just thinking. I mean, my dad doesn't listen to this podcast, so it's fine. Um, but I, I could have bought his present. I won't say it, just in case he does break the habit <laughs> of a lifetime. Um, I could have bought his present at a shop in the waterside that's closing down soon. Um, but I ordered it online because I couldn't be asked uh, to to go. <laughs> Maybe that explains one of the reasons why. A set shop may be closing down. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It could be. We'll come on to that in a little while. So, um, but yeah, we're I mean, funny. We've just been talking off air. We're both home alone as well, aren't we? This uh, at the moment. So I've been home alone this week, um, and I had a I've had a bit of a, a I had a chicken in the garden that wasn't mine earlier. So one of next door's chickens had got out, and I had to chase that around the garden, and it found. And, and this, I'll be honest, it makes it sound like I live in a hovel because it's another dead rat story. Um, <laughs> but it, it found it found a decomposing rat carcass uh, that it was dragging around. So I had to catch a chicken that had got a rat carcass in its mouth. Lovely. Um, yeah. Well, at least you had some company this week. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you mean the chicken? Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. That's it. Like, you was on about last, I think last time I was on, you had a similar week. And you said I haven't seen anybody for a whole week. So at least you had right, some company, yeah. some excitement. Well, I've seen my um, I've seen my barber or my hairdresser today, so I've been to see her. And uh, on the way back, I had to walk past the Chinese, and I thought Fee's not back tonight. So um, 
I popped in and actually bought a, uh, bought a Chinese from the one that you and Dave had the cuddling in Louth uh, <laughs> that time. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, oh, I was so, I was so tired that day. Yeah, tired. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you were actually. You've been out since four. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, people who uh, listen to the podcast regularly, or anyone that's listening to it right now, will have noticed that the introduction was slightly different this morning or this morning, just now a minute ago when you listened to it. Um, so we are now part of the Talksport fan network. Now, Ben and I obviously touched on this a little bit last time. Probably hasn't changed an awful lot for people. There will be an advert at some point uh, in the in the podcast, so I'll let you know when that's going to happen so that you can prepare yourself for it. Um, but we are officially TalkSport Fan Network, Chris, now. It's very exciting. It feels like we've le- legitimised, and obviously I'm relatively new to, new to this, to this uh, this whole scenario, and I kind of always forget that other people listen to it when I'm talking to you. It feels yeah. like I'm just talking about football. I know that's not going to change, but it just because it's got this like kind of it's a national thing now. It kind of just feels a little bit more real. Yeah, I like the way you said it. You suggested basically that we were illegitimate. Then we were like <laughs> we were the illegitimate bastard son of podcasts. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I hope you know what I mean. Anyway, of course. Of course. Um, so every, for everybody listening, very little will change. You will have heard the TalkSport intro. You will probably have heard an advert first off. There'll be one right at the end as well. So there'll be a little bit of uh, a little bit of both. There'll be one in the middle, which I'll tell you about. Um, you will no longer get it on Podbean, but we should still come up on Spotify. We should still come up on your Apple, uh, whatever Apple is. I hate Apple. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that, but they are. Never mentioned it before. Yeah, Macs and all of that sort of thing. Um, so... Essentially, nothing should change, um, other apart from a apart from an advert. So yeah, it's all good, and the logo's changed. We'll be getting a newer logo in the uh, in the new year. I, I can't use Microsoft Paint, but I have figured out all of the technical stuff. So I'll actually be editing and uploading this podcast. Um, and then you're going to be in charge of the pictures still. Uh, I don't know. Ben Ben does the proper logo, and I think I'll I'll just do the ones that I use to publish on my site. So I think oh, they're okay. cool though. I think they I think they would be the the best logo. Would just be a I'm going to say foursome, but that would be um, every girl's worst nightmare. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's four, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me, you, Jake, and Ben all gurning down. Um, no, no. Oh God. Um, I've just been sick in my mouth a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But that's that's basically where we are. So we are national. Yeah. Very exciting. It is. And what else was exciting this week, Chris? Uh, I think it might have been the Southampton game. That was quite exciting, wasn't it, Gary? <laughs> yeah, he's getting the hang of it. Um, no, it was. So, uh, so we've had a cup tie this week. Um, you'd have to have been living under a rock not to have known. It will be something that I think will be talked about uh, in 20 or 30 years' time yeah. in the same way that, that our first cup tie with Southampton, or not our first cup tie, but our last, sorry, our last cup tie in the Coca-Cola Cup with them, the same as Crystal Palace, because there was so many talking points to take out of it. Uh, we could probably dedicate a whole podcast to it, as I, I uh, as you did, manage to get a feed from ESPN+. Plus, so I was able to watch the game almost in the entirety. Um, I was about 10 minutes in, I think, when I got it, but I've managed to kind of look back at the first 10 minutes as well. Um, and I, I'd say, where do we start? But the correct answer is at the beginning, don't we? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, couldn't have asked, we couldn't have asked for a better start, could we? Let's be honest. Yeah, I think, um, I think when you go, 
we we went with the game plan as we did at Ipswich, as we did at Barnsley. We we go into these games with the game plan. That's not putting Southampton on the same level as Ipswich and Barnsley. They're better. Their players are better. They're a Premier League side. There's a lot more money involved. They're the best team that Mark Kennedy's Lincoln City have come up against, bar none. So you go with a game plan. And the game plan is going to be much along the same lines. You'll break it down a little bit more, I'm sure. You keep it tight. You don't make any mistakes. You go the three at the back. You occupy their forwards. You trigger a press when they come to a certain point. Otherwise, they can have the ball as much as they want across their back three, who, by the way, were very, very poor. But for that to work in the league, you have to score a goal to win. For that to work in a cup, you just don't have to concede. So actually, the game plan was probably, you know, we'll go there. If we nick a goal, we nick a goal. But otherwise, nil-nil and penalties. And then two minutes in, Boom, you won the love. Yeah, best start possible. Um, I've got a few things written down here in that, just, just not necessarily specific to this game, but something I've noticed recently is that I think we're good at set pieces. Defensively, we're outstanding. We very rarely concede from a set piece. And I think our delivery from attacking set pieces is outstanding as well. I feel like, obviously, we, we scored a couple. Um, I feel like that could be something that could start to grow a little bit throughout this season. I feel like, We've ever had a, you know, a lot of balls in, a lot of balls which across the box, a lot of not necessarily headers wide, but good movement in the box. And obviously, it was it was it was it was a slight clearance, and and, and Powdy kind of challenged the keeper and got it in. But it's nice to have a little bit of a threat of set pieces now because I think for a good few years we've maybe kind of thought a corner's as good as them having a goal kick, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, obviously, under the Cowleys, it was a, it was a real threat for us, and and maybe we're just starting to get closer towards that again now and that's that's nice and certainly from a defensive perspective I, I, we, we very rarely seem troubled from a defensive corner or free kick i know that was yeah. a, bit of, a bit of a tangent but it was just it was just a trend that i thought we dealt with that really well against a really good side yesterday you know we forced them wide we defended the middle of the pitch we defended crosses well we defended set pieces well when they had a bit of prolonged possession and they did manage to kind of carve through they did create some chances you know they're going to they're a Premier League side and it was their first team as well it was mm. it's not like we were playing against Premier League reserve ties we were playing against Southampton a very similar lineup will play in the Premier League in their next game um I just thought we was without the ball we were outstanding and we had the opportunity when we had an opportunity to go forward we we did it on the whole pretty well yeah I think well, I mean we created more than we created against Charlton at home in the league Without yeah, exactly. Um, but so that, I mean, the first first couple of moments, we get a free kick, and the big guns go up straight away. And for me, that's a real shift from from last season. We keep talking about last season, but you have to. You have to, I think you have to. I'm not comparing Mark Kennedy to Michael Appleton. I'm saying what's changed over the course of twelve months, eight months, whatever. And last season, free kick in that area, we just start a phase of play again. Instead, now we get the big guns. It's not that we're lumping it forward. We're not doing a Gillingham. We're not like a Wickham, but we'll play to our strengths, particularly, I think, against the side like Southampton, who, you know, you know you've got to kind of, you've got to look for every little advantage that you can get. And I think a ball into the area does that. So the free kick goes into the area, obviously ends up as a corner. Max Sanders, two very, very good deliveries. And, and I thought on the whole, his delivery was very good all, all, all game. Yeah. If VAR is in play for the game, does the goal stand? Our goal. Uh, our goal. Yeah, I think so. Why wouldn't it? Well, I was chatting to Pete. Maybe earlier. I've got my rose tinted glasses on here, but let's let's see. He because I, I it's definitely not offside. Can't be offside because the balls come over. Maitland Nylands is Maitland Niles has spooned it up. He's not offside. But will VAR rule it out for contact with the goalkeeper? We shouldn't. 
It's not possible a foul. That, isn't it? It's possible. It's a, it's, a, it's a good point. It didn't even cross my mind. And I am obviously a goalkeeper and very much part of the keepers' union. And I'm a five foot eight goalkeeper. So if you get any any contact in the box, you're shouting for a free kick from the referee. And I'll be honest, you get a lot more these days than you used to 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, but I'll be honest, like as much as I'm a keeper and part of the keepers' union, it's never a foul in a million years. It's not a foul. The point is. We're going to move on to their goal in a minute and we're going yeah. to say if VAR's in play, it stays 1-0 to Lincoln. But if VAR's in play, there is a question mark whether it would have been 1-0 to, to us anyway. That's... Well, I suppose the referee allowed the goal. So if VAR is... If my understanding of VAR is correct is that they will only notify the referee to go and have a look should they deem it to be a clear and obvious error. Or it might, they might have reworded it now. But is it a big... Is it is there a big enough discrepancy in what happened compared to maybe what could slash should have happened to justify stopping the game and changing the decision. So I don't think I don't th- I don't think a VAR would bring that back to override okay. the referee's decision on the pitch. That's maybe that's just m- me being biased without re- realizing but um that's that's my <laughs> that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I, I think the I think the point I would make is VAR in the World Cup, VAR in Germany doesn't pull it back. VAR in the Premier League over the last two years, you know, a player only has to fart on the field and the referee isn't, isn't looking at it and they bring it back. Careful with water there. Um, so, do you know what I mean? I, I genuinely, I, it was just a question. For me, it's not a foul. It's a goal. It's it's a clumsy, nasty-looking goal. You, we, but we've put pressure in the right area. Reminded me a bit, actually, of the Ipswich goal, which I think came from a corner and a similar flick on. and, and a Very of, similar game, in a way. Yeah, very, very similar. Uh, but obviously Ipswich then didn't get awarded a goal that shouldn't have stood. Here's the other question, and I've put it in my write-up. We're very clear about the fact that um, Che Adams is offside and VAR would rule the goal out. If there had never been VAR, does that get given as offside? Hmm. God, it's a very good question this evening. Uh, no, the ref, I, no, I can't remember who it was. On Twitter, someone had screenshotted it and, and had highlighted the fact that the, the linesman didn't have a clear sight through. Yeah. And it was it was it wasn't in a bad position either. It was just the, the situation of the game. So to be I don't think you could be really particularly angry at the linesman. But it but by the laws of the game, it was offside. And if VAR was there, it would be offside. And in a stadium where VAR is operated every week. It seems silly for it to not be there. I understand it's difficult in a situation, but yeah, it's very difficult for the Lino to give that if VAR never existed in the first place. Um, yeah, so I, it's, a, it's I, a good point, and it's not one I thought of. And that's I don't like sorry. it when you're right because I was, I, was, I don't want to be annoyed about it, and I want I want us <laughs> to feel cheated by the referee. But actually, that's a really good point you make, and yeah, maybe not so much. To be fair, I'm not entirely claiming that one because it kind of came out of a discussion earlier again with, with Pete on the phone, and um, you know I was I was incandescent with rage when deep down I knew that there was the potential for our goal not to stand. But I, I just genuinely think the perception of offside in the English game has changed from actually being offside in not daylight, but you know what I mean, like clear and obvious offside. It's gone from that to now being, let's pause it when the ball's played and draw a line. And a linesman and the referee, with the greatest respect, don't have that. Now, it it was offside. If VAR's there, it gets called offside because he's leaning maybe slightly forward. 
for me it should be to do with either where the feet are or whether there's there's daylight and the, the truth is that whilst I would love to say it shouldn't have stood in my opinion probably you know without VAR is the harshest thing and also your point there about the stadium set up for VAR why not use it well, on the podcast the other year or last year or whenever it was, I was angry that in the FA Cup third round, stadiums that had got VAR could use it, whereas it couldn't be then used at other grounds. For me, in a competition, it's either all or nothing. Either oh, everyone yeah. has it or no one has it. So I, I, I agree in like the, the grand scheme, like it has to be fair, and it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's impossible to have kind of make it fair or make it correct because there's always going to be some someone or a decision somewhere. Um, on the pitch, which could or couldn't be changed by a VAR. Um, there's no right answer to the argument about it. It was just as a, a purely as a Lincoln City supporter, knowing it was by the laws of the game, it was offside and it wasn't given. It just stings a little bit. Yeah. And we'll, we'll come back to the performance. We'll come back to all of the good stuff. We've got to talk about the three talking points. We're going to now talk about the one which for me is the one that will still sting in 26 years' time. It will still sting when I am. Cold in the ground, people will still talk about it. How did we not get a penalty? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, love that, I love that blank look on your face there. Just like how it's as blatant a penalty as I have ever seen in terms of handball. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and again, without wanting to go bring it to VAR, if VAR is there, that is a decision that gets overturned on the pitch, unlike maybe our first goal. Like, they're going to go, hang on, ref, you definitely missed something here. Go back and have a look at that. That's quite obviously a penalty. And then we get one. Um, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's the fact that there's not just it's not just one decision, is it? That's There's been those two big decisions there that yeah. have gone against us that could swing the game. And obviously, you've got to score it first. And lots of other things happen in, in the game, um, you know, missed opportunities and whatnot. But, you know, just breaking it down to those, those specific moments, two of them have gone against us that, that could have swung the game. 2-1 in our favour rather than 2-1 against. He was looking right at it though. The referee's 10 yards away and he's mm. looking right at it. And the lino on the other side maybe might be obscured by Regan Paul potentially, but the referee's looking straight at it. And do you want even the City fans? You can tell by the reaction the defender. Yeah. He looks straight at the ref when he's done it. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what like if you're guilty, you go and check if you got away with it. The amount yeah. of times that you see centre forward score a goal and think I might be offside there, check over their shoulders, see if the line has got his flag up before then turning off to celebrate. It was you no know, like you, you make contact with the officials just to make you to see what he's doing. And like you say, first first thing he did was just look at the ref. Oh, yeah. I suppose that was yeah, that was that was really infuriating. So they're the points. We've ascertained the fact that we were definitely robbed. Um, no doubt whatsoever, we should be in the quarterfinal. So what did we do right against a Premier League side to be sat, sitting here? And bear in mind, they had they had many more shots than us. Many lot came in the, the latter stages, but you know, they had more possession. They had more efforts for goal. But what did we do right that means that we're actually talking about being robbed and not being beaten 3-4-5-0? <laughs> Two or three things. I think we were excellent without the ball, like outstanding without the ball. Um, and we pressed so intelligent. I was so, honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm such, as you everyone knows by now, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to football and trying to spot like a pressing, like a pressing trap or whatever a pressing system is. Like, it's just something I always look out for. And 
I suppose like from a coaching perspective, it's the hardest thing to coach is because you need everyone to be on the same hymn sheet to recognize those triggers and all do their jobs at that what that same moment. I just thought it was outstanding at that. We often let their back their, their centre backs have the ball. Um but, but Ben House often on their deep build up was in our half. You know, we let them have the ball in that territory. But when it went wide or when they faced their own goal, we all pressed. And we got an opportunity in the first half, I think it was 13, 40 minutes in from Mandrew, Mandroyu, sort of sorry. And it came from um Paul knocking it forward. Um, the defender wins the ball. We counter press really well with a, with a two on one knock inside, get a shot away. Um, and it was just, it was just really, really good to see. It just shows a really well drilled team. Um, so that was good. Firstly, I think when we did have the ball, we were decisive with it. I think that was it. They didn't, we didn't really get caught in possession very often. You know, we were decisive. If it had to go, it went, of course. But you know, we we tried to play, play, play forward when we could. Um, yeah, like I said, there wasn't. We didn't dally on it. We didn't kind of mess about with it. But we there seemed to be a real purpose for it. And as I mentioned earlier, I think we defended defended set pieces really well. Yeah, I again, I mean, I'm obviously not going to argue. I think, I think Ben House probably played better than people might think that he did. And people were saying he was at, he had a great game. But I think the centre-forward role that he plays, that Tom Hopper plays, and arguably the centre-forward role probably that, you know, 60 or 70% of teams now try and play means that you're not the fox in the box. You're not six yards toe-poking it in. The, the John Marquis-style centre-forward, and that's probably a bad example, um, to be fair, or the Matt Reed-style centre-forward, is a, not a thing of the past, but it's something that's dying out. It's a weapon. And whereas a, a Ben Howe centre forward, that hard work, that absolutely relentless hard work. Strikers were never considered to be hard working, were they? Gary Lineker stood around, waited for the ball to come to him, put it in the back of the net. I think Ben House's performance yesterday was huge, not underrated, um, but was probably understated compared to one or two of the other people. Uh, but one player that really stood out for me was um, Charles Vernon. I thought that Charles mm-hmm. Vernon was superb. His energy was brilliant. I mentioned it in the write-up that I did, that one of the late chances that they had, Vernon had tracked back and was was defending. And you think he's been running up and down that wing for 85, 86 minutes, and he's still got the energy to get all the way back and, and defend. I just thought that um, I thought that typified the whole team's kind of spirit, but kind of in a player that actually, if everybody was honest, six weeks ago, you go, which player do you think probably might not be tracking back on 85 minutes? It would be either Diamond or Vernon. Vernon, it would be that type of player. And I thought that that was really, really important as well. Yeah. Uh, Charles Vernon was probably his best game in a Lincoln shirt. And you know what was really great about that? You know, um, Mandroyu, Vernon and House, they're all ours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we started the season with with both Diamond and Garrick in those two roles at the times. Well, not started, but they both certainly played in those roles. Um, you know, we're thinking we can't afford to lose Jack Diamond in January. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Obviously, we don't want to still, but we've got two players there that are ours on 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 contracts for at least another couple more years, and they just both of them seem to be really growing into the team, don't they? And like you say, Vernon was the one that hadn't had as many opportunities. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's it's really good to see. It's really good to see. I, I wrote down um, Matty Virtue again, as oh, I thought he was... What player. Excellent. He's just always in the right place. Yeah. But in a different way to Liam Bridcut. Liam Bridcut was yes. always in the right place from a defensive perspective. Yeah. Um, like, But you never saw him, didn't often see him popping up going forward. That wasn't his role, so you didn't expect him to. But what Matty Virtue does, 
is he recognises when he needs to be in a position to create an overload. So to basically to be a spare man. Um, so there's two or three times on the right-hand side in the second half where I think like Paul and Vernon were kind of combined and they might have been doubled up with their with their kind of their wide players or a centre-back. And he just pops up and there's like quick one-two around the corner and, and, we're, and we're out of trouble again. And it's just, it's just so intelligent. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just... I wrote that down, so I wanted to mention it before we moved on. <laughs> well, it was his work, wasn't it? It created Char- the chance for Charles Vernon in the second half. Yeah, it was, was it. Uh, Ben House around the corner. I hate that saying around the corner, but I get it. Uh, but you know, a little top ball from Ben House, little flick, and and Vernon's kind of picked it up, gone into the channel to put the ball in. And, and I'll be honest, although Vernon done well, Vernon's done well to get there. I'd liked him to have just worked the keeper a little harder. But I mean, maybe that's a little bit harsh. It's so easy to say that, isn't it? But um, yeah, again, I mean, I, I, Virtue and Sanders for me, I, I, eight, ten weeks ago, I was saying our best midfield is Davenport and somebody. I, I liked Davenport. We saw him once. Yeah. And I saw him <laughs> basically being a lightly and bread cut. And I thought if we get 10, 15 games into him, he'll be that water. Can you imagine us having a three-man midfield of, of Virtue, Sanders and Davenport and playing? I mean, I don't know how you would play almost like a 3-5-2 or... Yeah, if you played a back three, you'd go, you'd go back three, two wing backs, and then the midfield three with Davenport yeah. sitting, the other two pushing on a two up top. But then you lose those, those lose really interesting players. positions of of well, where Vernon and Mandroy are playing. It's just yeah. they're kind of wingers, they're kind of attacking midfielders. They're they're playing in those half spaces, which is a horrible, really hard place to pick up. Um, so yeah, by playing Davenport instead of those other two in the same, you know. You've either got to play him and change the system or you, you play him instead of one of those two. And let's be honest, neither of them deserve to be dropped at the moment. They're both first team, absolute nailed on starters, aren't they? They are. And I thought the second half we came out and, and they were obviously rattled. They made the changes. I mean, it's, it seemed they were making a sub every 30 seconds to me. It's yeah. constantly changing. And then um, you know, when you saw the names that were kind of coming on and, OK, Theo Walcott is something of a veteran now, but he's he's still a, you know, a top, top footballer. He's still a really special footballer. and um, they got their goal, and and Joe. There was somebody I won't name him out loud, Jake, but there was somebody in our Stacey West podcast group, uh, and I think his exact words were. In fact, I don't think what his exact words were. I know what his exact words were because I can have a look at it. Um, should have stopped that. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure. I, I think that's something in the moment where you kind of see it and you think we could have defended better. Yeah, you can always do something better. You can always defend better. Joe Walsh could have been, uh, like you know, a couple of inches further forward and put his foot through it. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. He stopped it on the line. He, was there a lot we could do to stop that goal? Not really. I don't think. And every single goal that scored in football, or almost every single goal that scored in football, comes from a mistake somewhere at some point by somebody. Um, this or, or something not going to plan. You know, even if it's a bit of unlucky. Um, a slice or, a, you know, it comes off your knee in a particular angle or, you know, you're a millimetre away from winning a head. You know, I think there was just a, two or three of those kind of really tight moments just all in one little scenario. I think, yeah, you can break it down into as much depth as you like, but it was just, I don't think we did a lot wrong. You there was no, there was no, football. yeah, there, there's no, there was no glaring errors there. It was no. just unfortunate. And it was gutting because of what happened before it, obviously. That was what made yeah. it most good because you couldn't see us really getting back. As much as we had chances on, you know, fleeting chances, realistically, I, my, I certainly felt right. Let's let's hang on for a draw and then and go to you know the next stage. Now, um, I didn't, I couldn't see us, you know, scoring a goal. Not, not until not, 
not until he went four at the back. And then when oh, he went yeah. four at the back and, and Ted's on, and I, you know, I think Ted could be a really interesting player, again, in the, the kind of the Mandrew Vernon role, in that not so much when we're playing a Southampton because you then need the pace to get on and carry the ball up the field and transition 30, 40, 50 yards with a ball at your feet. But Ted will be interested in those positions when we're coming on to a team. And we'll maybe when we talk about Burton, perhaps, when they're, when there's, they're going to be deep, when there's a lot of players, when you're, when you're needing guile more than pace to get down those flanks, I think Ted's going to be really important. But I thought he came on. And, and let's be honest, we could probably, we probably had the best chances outside of the, the goal in the last 10, 15 minutes as they did. The game went really end to end. It got stretched, I think, was yep. it? Was it Max Sanders fired over from range, and there was a couple of tasty balls coming into the box? It was, we, quite... we really kind of just up the up the tempo. What was really good yeah, to see yeah. is that we didn't we didn't just think, oh well, you know, we're, we've had a good good account of ourselves. It was like, yeah. no, sod that. Like we're, we're having to go here, and yeah. we rolled our sleeves up. It was like we forced like through the kitchen sink. At it. Yeah, it meant that we got caught out of the back a couple of times really late in the game when they definitely should have scored a third. But that oh, happens cool. if it, that that well, yeah, yeah, well, at least one of them, yeah, um, but. <laughs> Like that happens when you're chasing a game, and that's a risk you've got to take. And it was nice that we just were willing to take that risk and go, you know, fuck it, let's go for it, you know. Um, so yeah, you can't play every game like that, you know. You know, it's never, it's never going to be, it's game state, isn't it? You know, you don't start a game like that, you never, you never do because you'll get caught on the break countless times by intelligent teams. But your point of on, on um, Ted is really interesting because he can play in so many positions. In it, not like a right back, even though he can, like, but like, I mean, yeah. he could be effective in lots of positions. He could play in one of those positions that Sanders and Virtue plays if he needs to. He could play in those two positions ahead of them. In a three, he can play in the like the one of the three eight roles, and he can even play wide and cut in into those narrow channels. He's got like four or five roles. It's, it's the same positions on the pitch, but they're different roles in a different system, yeah. aren't they? And he's kind of got a skill set which makes him a real viable asset at. Uh, kind of all of them, really. You know, it's not often yeah. that you get people make, make it sound like Liam Neeson, don't you? Yeah, I've got a very specific range of skills. <laughs> Have you seen that <laughs> on Hunted or Wanted or whatever? <sighs> I haven't seen it. I know exactly what the type of film. Yeah. There's a million of those types of films out, isn't there? Like, yeah, there basically is, the yeah. same. Yeah, but and, and unlike unlike Ted Bishop, because there isn't a player I don't think that we've we've got like him. So look, overall, we lost the game. I think there's every reason to be proud we'll remember the um the main incidents but i think the real takeaway is actually the overall performance that yeah absolutely you could tell which for the premier league team were because of the technique because of some of the attacking players they brought on because of some of but there was moments where we had attacking movements where you thought joe you know what we yeah we look like we want this we look like we can do this and probably there was more attacking intent i thought from us in that game than there was against ipswich yeah, Certainly definitely. in the second half against Ipswich. And I just, do you know what? I, I, I think last night was a turning point for many in terms of accepting the new era. And I think yeah. through to Chippenham, there were still people doubting it. And then you you kind of draw with Wickham or you lose it wherever we lost, Port Vale. And, and uh, people are kind of, you know, oh, where are we go in and they're moaning that players aren't ours. And you just made the point last night, Rushworth, Lone. O'Connor, Walsh, Jackson, ours, Rowan, ours, Paul, ours, Sanders, ours, Virtue, Lone, front three, all ours. It's only two lone players in what is arguably Jack Diamond potentially would come into that instead of Vernon or Mandriou. 
But other than that, you've only got two lone players there that are fundamental parts of the team that you you probably couldn't do without. And we proved last night, worst case scenario, you don't want to have to, worst case scenario, we could do without, we, we could manage without Jack Diamond. Mm-hmm. We couldn't manage, in my opinion, without Carl Rushworth. I think Jordan Wright's a good goalkeeper, but I think Rushworth proved at the end with the where he was took Adams all the way round to the post and then made the save as well. Do you know what I mean? That was some good goalkeeping. It was, and even though we went to ground two or three times as a keeper, you'll know when you've gone to ground how difficult it is to get up and get across and go back to ground again. Do you know what I mean? I thought I was, I thought he was quality. Yeah, um, he was and you, you couldn't do without virtue. We've already covered it. Is you know, I, I said Liam Bridcup was the best football I'd seen in a Lincoln City shirt. I stand by that. He still is now, but Matty Virtue is only twenty-four years old. Um, and I think you know, he's already played as many games, I think. He's already started as many games in the league this season for Lincoln or as many games overall for Lincoln as Liam Bridcut did last season, the whole of last season. And you know, it's all right to see that somebody's the best player when they've played 15 games. But if Matty Virtue does that over 35, 40 games this season, he'll be, you know, he'd be hugely important. So what do we take from that going into the next couple of games? What, what, are, the, what are the positives away from being knocked out? Well, I think I just want to echo what you said about the overriding feeling in that, you know, I thought we were good without the ball specifically, but we were definitely better with it than we were in those smash and grab games that we've had that we won against Barnsley, against Ipswich, made two or three good chances, but we we still were wasteful. We still kind of forced it at times. I think we were much better with it. Um, Obviously disappointed and frustrated at the decisions from the referee, but you know what? Overriding all of that was just a sense of pride last night. Um, I was just really proud of the football club. I was really proud that we, you know, went toe to toe with the Premier League team. Um, so, you know, the, it's the age I was saying is that, oh, take that, take that sort of performance into into your next game in the league against a team second bottom from the league. Then, oh, it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Um, but we've we've shown some very good characteristics there that certainly will stand us in very good stead in the league. Yeah. So I think before we uh, before we chat about the team that are second from bottom in the league and uh, and we're playing on Boxing Day, we'll go to our very first ever um, ad break. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, right, so that was uh, from 
somebody. I'd actually know because we put it in afterwards. I specified that we don't want it to be the Sun. Uh, so as long as it's not the Sun newspaper, that's one of our advertisers. Yay for advertisers. Um, hopefully that'll uh, eventually over the course of the season give us enough to sponsor a, a player or a youth team player at the end of the year. Um, and who knows? We could sponsor the next Sean Rowan. And Sean Rowan got to be in line for a start uh, on Boxing Day after his performance against Southampton against Burton Albion. Um, now, we've played Burton Albion on Boxing Day in the not-too-distant past. We annihilated them 5-1. Is it going to be the same this Boxing Day? Mm, who knows? Who knows? Could be. Probably not. Well, I'm hoping you do. That's the point uh, of the podcast. I'm, um, I'm no, hoping you're at least going well, to give no us some one, insight. No one really knows. From a tactical point of view, it's very, it's quite interesting, actually, because they seem to quite like two, two up top, but sometimes that, that's in the back three, sometimes it's in the back four. Um, even in the games where they've started like 4-1-4-1 or 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, they've changed to a top front two at some point in the game in almost every game since Dino Mamre has taken over. So I expect them to start in a front two. Um, and that's good for us because we play a back three, which means we always have an overload there. So that means we've always got a spare man at our back. So what I expect, if they play either a 3-5-2 or a 4-4-2, is that we will try and build from the back. And we'll almost probably play like a home team when we're in possession. Like we'll want to control the game. And, you know, don't be surprised to see us going back to start again and kind of recycling possession with a back three, because that's where our spare man is on the pitch. That's where the safe pass will be. Um, and that's fine. And that's fine. Um, the challenge will be whether we can then play through the thirds because everyone else is pretty much going to be player for player. Um but they have started in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 a couple of times in the last few games, which means it's a full... If they do it properly, it's a full press, their, their front three on our back three, which then means that players like Manjoyu and Vernon, should they start, should be the spare man. And that's a bit more exciting. So I really hope they play a 4-3-3 um, or a 4-2-3-1 because it'll, it means that our spare man's going to be further up the pitch. Um so, yeah, I always find it interesting to try to think about these. And then when it happens on a Saturday, it never is. So it's very rarely what you expect it to be. Um, but on paper, that, that they're the kind of two games I expect us to see. So if they play two up top, expect us to have a lot of possession in deep areas. If they play front three, then expect it to maybe be a bit more a bit more transitional um, for us to maybe we'll try and win some second balls and try and get, try and get in those kind of half spaces in those pockets. And I think if that's... That's what's going to happen. Then Daniel Manjoyu could be a real threat because that's what he's really good at. He's really good at finding those little spaces in the half spaces between the fullbacks and the centre backs and the midfielders, um, drifting into those little spaces. And if he's going to be a spare man and he's an out ball every time, then that could be a way in for us to create some opportunities. Um, so from a, like a tactical perspective, um, I don't think we all change. We've we've been pretty set in our system for the last few weeks, um, whereas they haven't. You know. It, Maybe it's Dino Mamria just doesn't know his best system yet. Maybe he sets up specifically to try and counter the opposition. That's the um, point I was going to make. So, yeah, it, it depends on which of those two is is, is For me, I, I think it's more likely that he sets up for the opposition mm -hmm. badly because they're second from bottom. Um, but I think that it's... That's what he suggests. And I also think that when you look at the players that they've got, I think probably trying to set up for the opposition in every single game with a largely limited squad. Let's be yes. brutally honest. 
um, can be a fallacy. That largely limited squad, actually, he's getting quite a bit out of key players that perhaps others haven't. Uh, one I'm looking at is uh, Davis Kelly or Dunn, who I think has got five goals from midfield for them from 16 appearances. Came from Ross County. I think he was at Oldham last of all when they were relegated out of the Football League or, or the yeah. season before. Um, you've got Victor Adebayo. Adebayo, that must be right. Ten goals in 20 starts. You know, he was come from come from non-league, I think. Late Orient when they were in the non-league. Uh, yeah, yeah, he started his career. I'll tell you how I know this. I'm actually on Football Manager right now, and I can see yeah. the history of these players because you logged you logged into Scout just as I was checking the results on the team. Um, it, is, <laughs> it is it is your login, so I can't. I'm not complaining. It is your login. Um, but he was at Barnsley most recently. Yeah, that, but he. I mean, he was. He, he never really originally started in, in in non-league. Yeah, late in Orient, and then went lots of loans into kind of non-league before before then, getting and moved to Barnsley. You've got Terry Taylor playing for them in midfield. He's had 18 games. I think he was at Grimsby and they described him as one of the worst players they'd, they'd ever had. He'd been on loan from Wolves. Um, Connor Shaughnessy was a teammate of Paddy O'Connor's at Leeds. He's only played four times. I'm supposing he might be injured. Sam Hughes was Chester City when we were in the National League, moved yeah. to Leicester, um, 21 games. I mean, their defence looks pretty, so, uh, not solid, but settled Thomas Hamer um, and John Brayford who wow must nearly be as old as the Brayford Cameron Borthwick Jackson who had that spectacular fall from grace he one minute he's a Man United super kid I think the next minute he was playing for Scunthorpe United um, if I've got the, the player right so you are right yeah so actually they've got a, a t- was it uh, the Oshilaja where was he he wasn't West Ham was he I know Joe Powell was West Ham but he's not yeah, really he's got him West Ham I think uh, was no, he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't. Is it uh, AFC Wimbledon and most recently? Okay, I, I just, I, do you know what? I don't like Dino Marmer. I don't like him one little bit. I didn't like him when he was at Stevenage and they got that draw and he ran all the way down the pitch and was. I just think he's. I just, and I'm sure he's a great guy in terms of football, but I think he builds shit house teams. They've got the second most amount of long balls played in the division this season, but uh, you're just behind well, Wickham. I was just to say, if the thing is, look, it's past jobs. So, most recent job before this was Oldham in a crisis situation. Most recent before that was Stevenage after they'd sacked Steve Evans, I seem to think. And maybe it was not Steve Evans, sorry. Um, who was it they sacked? And there was Mark, a bit of turmoil. The England, the old England under the England women manager, when yeah. Mark Sampson. Yeah, that's the dude. Before that, it was at Nuneaton, Nuneaton Borough when they were a crisis club. Um, and then, then his first managerial role. Um, full manager role was at Southport, which was in the Conference North, I think. So he's he seems to be a bit of a firefighter in regard to his jobs, and you know that lends itself to a certain type of football. I'm not saying they're going to be a Gillingham or a you know or a um, uh, I've forgotten. No, thank you, I've forgotten every time. That was a bit harsh on Wickham actually comparing them to Gillingham after watching them last week. There, Gillingham were far worse in regard to yeah, their yeah. style. But yeah, it's um, you know Burton don't don't just hoof it forward, but it's going to be combative, and I think they're going to they're going to try and set themselves up to be hard to beat first and foremost. But they're the home team, they are the home team. So in terms of like systems, um, I wouldn't be surprised to start with it, see them going like a four two three one or a four three three to start with, and trying to press our back three. You know, it's it's a high risk, high reward sort of situation. But I suppose when you're down in the in the bottom four, draws don't really help. You know, you want needed you either win, 
get three points or you're losing, you try and win the next one, don't you? You know, a draw isn't isn't a huge amount of good. It's it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I think because he's relatively new manager, they've got a bit of a hodgepodge of a squad, haven't they? Because they've got a few of these promising young players, but they've also got a squad full of kind of veterans, really, aren't they? You play some yesterday. You mentioned John Brayford. They've also got Sam Winnell. They've got Mustafa Carriol. You know, they've got Borthwick Jackson, if you kind of mention that. You've got Adrian Mariapa still. And isn't um, Michael Mancien still there, potentially, as well? I don't know. He hasn't played this season, so I don't no, know okay. if he was on a short-term deal or, or, Maybe or so. what the crack is. They, the... just, they just seem to be one of those clubs. Because they're always quite well-respected. I always quite, kind of quite like their journey and always felt they... they they recruited relatively well. I feel like that maybe just bringing in a few of these seasoned pros, but they're not 29, 30 year old guys. There, you know, they're 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 certainly at the at the, the the tail end of their careers. I don't know. Have they still got it in them to keep them up? I don't want to just discredit them too much at all because you know they've they've been relatively hard to beat in the last few games. They've you know they've got four draws at the last five league games, I think, something like that. Um, so they're clearly not not going to be. A walkover, but I don't know. I just, it's just, it's just something about just looking at the squad and looking at the change in the systems. It just, it just screams out of there's something unsettled. And if we can get an early, an early goal, I feel like then we could be, we could be in a good position. So they've only lost one of their last ten home games, which is interesting. I think. Is, yeah, I didn't realise that. That is interesting. Well, they lost to Accrington in the football league trophy, and before yeah. that, draws Dar- drew with Derby, beat Chippenham, which. Not everyone. Yeah, six one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not for everyone, is it? Um, drew with Tranmere in the Football League Trophy one on penalties. Drew with Plymouth. Drew with Charlton. Beat Needham Market. Well, there <laughs> we go. Um, beat Burton. Beat Bradford in the FA Trophy. Uh, not the FA Trophy. The EFL Trophy. Drew with Morecambe. So you know you have to have to go back to the fourth of October for their last home league defeat, which was against Fleetwood. But they've only won what two in the league at home all season again. Pretty much like us, uh, you know they but they score goals, don't they? Three against Charlton in a three-three yeah, three draw, it. two against yeah. Plymouth, six against Chippenham, four. Uh, t- yeah, worrying. This is what gives me. That's what gives me confidence, though, is that that means you know if they're scoring goals and they're not winning, they clearly concede them, don't they? And we're good without the ball. We are. We are good without the ball. I think we're hard to beat. I think there's a reason that teams, better teams than us, um, have found it hard to play against us because. Because we're good at it. So if we can take that kind of defensive solidity, and it's not just about being sitting every member behind the ball, it's about having that structure that 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 kind of everyone knows the pressing triggers, everyone's doing their job properly, everyone's diligent and working hard in the right way. I'm relatively confident about it. It's weird. I, I tend to find myself being more confident about away games and home games, even though we're unbeaten at home all season. Yeah. <laughs> so it's bizarre, no, isn't I it? I get that. I get that. And bear in mind, this is a Burton side that are in the... Bottom five for shots against. So they face 288 shots. There's only three teams worse. Um, they are in the top three for aerial duels, which just underlines the fact that, you know, they kind of go long a little bit, only behind Port Vale and Wickham. They're only behind Wickham for long balls played. The ball losses, they are the second um, worst performing team in terms of ball losses, 2,804 times. The only team worse than that, again, is Wickham. Actually, Wickham's stats are, are not brilliant. Um had the joint most amount of red cards, which I think it all points. It's, it's a Dino Mamre thing. There is a Dino Mamre. There isn't a Gillingham this season in our division. Not that kind of balls out Gillingham kind of just awfulness. 
Burton aren't a million miles away. They're not. When you look at the type of the makeup of squad and you think about the makeup of Gillingham squad with, you know, with the players that they brought in, not an awful lot of lone players, I notice, um, peppered around the squad either. So I, I just, you know what, Boxing Day games are always crazy. They are, I remember, as beating Cambridge 4-3. There was 5-1 at Burton. We got stuffed uh, 5-1 at Grimsby one year. You know, Boxing oh, Day can be, can be unusual. But I just think that this has the potential to be a, a late Christmas present. And, and given the two games that are coming up over the Christmas period after it, you know, it's the sort of this is without a doubt. I, I don't never want to be disrespectful, but this is definitely the sort of game that if we are aspiring to be between 10th and 13th at the end of the season, this is the type of game you've got to go win. And bear in mind, we play them again at Sinsel Bank on January the 21st. And yeah. I, I think that that's a great double time to play teams because some teams are in transition. Like Dino Marmaria, I think he took over from Hasselbank. This will be his first full transfer window. He'll want to be bringing players in and he'll want to be moulding the side. There'll be a lot of upheaval over January for them. I don't think there will be for us. And, and that leads us on to something we'll talk about in a minute. But I don't think there'll be a huge amount of upheaval for Lincoln City. And I think that we could use that to our advantage against Burton, potentially against Cambridge, um, obviously, I mean, they haven't got a new manager. We've got them coming up. MK Dons, I think we play twice in January or certainly January and early February. Again, there'll be a lot of upheaval there. And I'm just hoping that use leveraging the Southampton game, the fact that we look settled, the fact that we're moving in the right direction, we don't need an overhaul. I'm hoping it'll work in our favour going into, yeah. hopefully, going into early March. We won't be looking over our shoulder, and I really believe that. Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree with you. Um Early in the season, I felt like we were in the right direction. We saw some good signs, but was, there was still that nervousness in the back of my mind about you know, if we have a, if we have a bit of a bad run, then we could be looking over our shoulders, and then maybe we haven't got the freedom to play how we want to. But we've just yeah, we've, we've really pushed on and impressed, and you know, beating the teams that are below us, which has been as we found we have found difficult at times this season. Um, but if we can turn that into a bit of a habit, then like you say, you're not going to be looking over your shoulder. And that means when we have, if we, if this season is going to be seen as a bit more of a development season for us, you want young players to get minutes. You want them to be not be in a relegation battle. You want them to be comfortably in mid table so they can play their game with the freedom to develop without that kind of added pressure where you you have to play differently and you have to play different team and different systems and things. Um, yeah, so I don't. I really don't want to be disrespectful to Burton at all, but look there. I feel they may get relegated on this purely from the information we have, which is the, the small clips of highlights I've seen, the statistics, obviously the results, the fact that they've changed their manager, the fact that they've got a few this this style of squad that they have. You know, I'm not going to deny that they're gonna they're gonna be up for a fight. I think they certainly will be, but I think they might just they might just just struggle. They might be the season they they drop into League Two. And Against teams like that, you have to go in, even if it's an away game, even if it's the chaos of a, of a Boxing Day game. You've got to go into it, you know, really hoping and, and kind of semi-expecting a win. Yeah. And, I, and, and that's kind of where my mind is at. And we couldn't do that last year. We uh, we lost at Crew. We drew uh, at Gillingham and lost away at home. We drew with Doncaster and lost at home. So we, we struggled against teams that technically we should have been beating last season. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think you're right. Unless Burton um, are able to shut up shop uh, against us and snatch a draw, um, then then I think that we should be favourites for the game. And speaking of shutting shops, 
Uh, <laughs> that was so good. That was really no. good. We're trying not to reference everyone. Just so you know, we're trying not to point out when we make a when we make a segue. But that was outstanding, guys. Speaking <laughs> of shutting up shop, uh, the club shop is closing in the waterside now. Um, I, I saw that you know, there was mixed reviews. I, I didn't know it was coming, but. I can understand why I know what the original deal was. I, I won't go into it because it was when I was on the supporters board. So, you know, I knew that I think at first when we went in there, it was kind of meant to be for a temp, not temporary, but it was an experiment, see how it goes. And then we put an awful lot of resource into kind of going down there for special events and things like that. I would just imagine that in the current climate with actually having to pay the full rent, it's not going to pay for itself. It's a big space. It's probably not the best utilized space. Um, and, and we're going to go back to, back to having everything at the ground. Yeah. Um, when it first got announced that it was becoming a shop, you know, when it, when it was first, first a thing, um, I thought it was a great idea. You know, really good. Get, get the, get the, get the club in the, in this, in the city, make it more accessible. And I think in you know, all the time it's been, it's there, I've been in twice. Yeah. Um, you know, and I buy, I've bought plenty of stuff from the club in that time. I buy it online. You know, so, um, and, you know, the few things I don't buy online, I'll go into the club shop on a match day and I'll get it there. So I think for the, I get it, you know, for people that are, you know, season ticket holders that, are, you know, really do hold the club at heart, you know, if someone like, you know, like that is not going into the, the that club, that shop, then maybe that passing trade isn't going to be as as great either. Let's see a couple of comments though on online. It's only Twitter, isn't it? So, you know, you read it into what you like is that um, sometimes parents kind of use, use the fact they got to go to that shop as a way of getting the kids into town. And then when they was in there, that then encouraged them to maybe have a chat about going to the next match. Um, so, you know, it'd be interested to see, you know, it's difficult to track that, isn't it? It's difficult to measure yeah. that, how much of a difference that will make. But in the modern, in the modern um, kind of society where just shops are dying, aren't they? Just the actual act of going out shopping is just not been done anywhere near as much. Everyone does it. The majority online. We have 23 games, a home games a season where the shop will be open, where there's going to be thousands of people around and they could pop in. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I do. I actually used the shop in the waterside quite a bit, but that would be because if I want something from the ground, I don't want to carry it around with me. I don't want to carry a shirt around with me if I buy it or, or whatever. So I'd often go in there, buy something, and then and or we'd go in the waterside and, and, and sorry and take it back to the car. I'd go in waterside and dad would be like, oh, I'm going to the loo. And I'd be like, oh, I'll be in the club shop. What they don't have in there that I think probably was a bit of a miss was there was no low there's not a great range of low value items hmm. that people like you just said about got you know, mum takes little Timmy and Teresa, I can't think of a girl's name beginning with T. Timmy and Tina. Mummy takes little Timmy and Tina off into the club shop and they're like, oh, let's buy something for Lincoln City. And and they're looking at like, you know, £40 training tops or, or, or you know, 12, £15 scarves. There wasn't a lot of, Tact. oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you a Lincoln City pencil for 50p or, or a yeah. Lincoln City pencil and rubber set. And it, it might be tat, but actually, do you know what? Every time no, but I it's, went it's in, the sort of stuff I'd that kids it. like. I didn't mean I meant, I meant that in the, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, nicest right. possible terms. But it's the sort of stuff that you kind of you'll buy a kid to because you, yep. it means they get they get to have something and take something home with them, and it kind of keeps them happy. It gets yep. them to behave for a little while, doesn't and it? And it doesn't cost you the earth to go and buy that for the sake of your sanity. So I've heard. I haven't got kids, but that's they, how I've heard how it happens. They don't, <laughs> <laughs> they don't have cufflinks. They don't have tie pins. They don't. They have one or two badges that very, very rarely change every year, and they could be high markup. You can get a badge made for 
for 50p you put them out for four pound and i every time i'd go in i'd buy a badge you need more fridge magnets do you know what i mean the little stuff it's like if i was buying a birthday if, if like i knew it was your birthday or ben's birthday or something on a match day and i think oh i'll just call into the club shop and and buy you some tat uh, <laughs> and i'd very much I mean? appreciate the tat thank you very much yeah, yeah but I, I used to buy like ties and I, I used to get a lot more from the club shop and i just think actually the the club's commercial offering uh, and it, i know it's ep uh, eps elite pro sports yeah it's based very much around clothing it's based very much around high value here's the formation range here's another formation range here's more training tops here's more training tops i'm a football shirt geek shirt geek not shit geek i even didn't buy one of the retro shirts because it's just like retro shirt retro shirt retro shirt 50 quid, 40 quid, 50 quid, three kits, this, that, and the other. So, and I think that's one reason why a a solid retail space doesn't succeed because there isn't the encouragement to go in for the football and buy the low value things. And on a personal note, I was told by the club or asked by the club, contact EPS, we'll put some of your books in there. It wasn't about making money. It was about expanding their product range, I think. Mm -hmm. So I contacted them. Uh, I offered to rebrand all of the books so that they all looked exactly the same and then do like in a launch down there and said, you know, I'll come down and we can, I'll promote it and all that sort of stuff. Twice I chased it up and they both constantly said, yeah, yeah, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. And that was probably two years ago now. So I just think that there's too much focus on the latest training kit, the latest this kit, the latest that kit, but you know, I don't know. I'm not a retailer, am I? Yes, yeah, so neither am I. So we're just we're just talking about this for our own experiences, aren't we? Like, yeah. my personal experience is if I want something, I buy it from the grounds. I quite like non-league football, and whenever I go watch non-league game, you go to the the club shop there and you buy a little pin badge. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you buy them on a match day from the other grounds. You don't go yeah. into your local club's store and then buy a pin badge from a different. Yeah, club. you're quite right. Yeah, you. Uh, you know, you, you go, you do that on a match day as part of that match day experience. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, there's. The, like we just said, we we keep having an opinion on this, but we don't really know. <laughs> we no. don't know what we're on about. Uh, so, right, if um, I'm at, if I'm at the ground and going in the club shop, I want to buy something. I put it in my pocket, I'd, and I would. Mm-hmm. I'd buy every badge that they had. I'd go in. I look. I would go in the club shop four or five times a year. I'd go in the club shop in the Waterside every time I go into Lincoln. But I bought less in the club shop in the Waterside than I used to in the old club shop. I've still got stuff bagged up from 10, 12 years ago, still in the original packaging that I just go and buy it and then I'll put it in my Lincoln City collection that nobody's going to inherit. So when I die, will probably be given to charity, um, which is sad, really. Yeah, let's not think about that yet. I'll give it to Dave. He can sell it in his charity shop. Anyway, (laughs) so we are 50-odd minutes in. So number five will change because we had put a fifth thing on the agenda uh, that we were going to talk about. I'd just like to point out, I wasn't laughing at charity shops there. There's a bit of an in-joke about Dave's shop, which definitely isn't yeah. a charity shop, but we pretend it is. Just yeah, in I mean, case anyone thought, why are you laughing at charity shops there and think I'm a horrible person? I made Dave what... owns a charity shop. It's a charity shop. It's a brick and brack shop. Brick and brack shop. He doesn't admit it, but it is. He takes old things from people and sells them. That's you know, The only difference between him and a charity shop is his money goes to the Ivy Club and a charity gives it to good causes. It's the only difference. Between the two, and the Ivy Club's not a good cause. Not five pound twenty for a pint of Estrella, but anyway, there we go. I know, yeah, five pound twenty. Oh, did you know? By the way, after the England game, I don't know if I spoke much. I came home and vomited for for hours afterwards. Oh, great! Yeah, uh, I, I wasn't particular. I didn't vomit, but I wasn't well. 
funny because we neither of us had eaten, had we? <laughs> we went straight. Yeah. And the thing um, is, we made the conscious decision not to. Like, we definitely should go and get some food now, but we're in the pub now, so oh yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> we had a couple we of quality street. Oh, okay. quality street on the table. A couple of those. I can't believe it didn't stop me being sick. Um, so it's Christmas. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's Christmas. So what I'm going to do is ask one question, and I'll answer it as well. Transfer transfer windows coming up. Your perfect transfer window late Christmas present for the Lincoln City squad. Doesn't have to be a player, can be a position, can be anything at all. And I'm happy to answer first if you want things. Yeah, if you don't mind, because I, I wasn't prepped on this. So I'd like to have some. No, you weren't prepped on it. I wish I had the, the, the bells. Is there anything in here? Are there any Christmassy sounds on here? Uh, hang on. I might be able to get some Christmassy sounds. Is this Christmassy? Are we ready? So that's oh, all festive now. <laughs> so that's introducing our special, probably two to three minute festive section um, on the perfect Lincoln City Christmas present. And so for me, on January the first, my perfect Lincoln City Christmas present would be an announcement, and it would be an announcement Matty Virtue signs on a permanent deal. And if we were to do one deal in all of the transfer window. That would be it, because I think the team that we have at the moment is close. Is, is, I can see the evolution. I can see where we're going. We don't need wholesale changes. We don't need to bring five or six players in in the transfer window. This transfer window will be like the one where we brought in Regan, Paul, Morgan, Rogers, and Cohen Bramall. It'll be about adding quality or future potential to the squad. It's not going to be an overhaul. It's not going to be like last season with Marquis and Cullen and Whitaker and Norton Coffee and, and House and Kendall, you know, every every couple of days ain't going to be like that. If it was like that, we would be doing something wrong. It's not, in my opinion. So you've got to look what would be perfect. Matty Virtue tied down to this football club for three years. And uh, I, I know I'll not steal it because you might have that one, but there's also another announcement around that that I would like to see. But that's the perfect Lincoln City transfer window Christmas present. It's hard to disagree. Um, obviously, we both, we both kind of praised Virtue in the in the past and today as well about how important it's the team. I was going to choose Regan Paul signing a long-term extension. <laughs> and I, my other one was going to be Max Sanders. <laughs> signing an extension. Well, he's already he's, he's already signed an extension, hasn't he, Max Sanders? He just signed it recently. I thought that he said that he wanted one, but I didn't see he had signed one. Oh, I may have misread that. I just saw it at a glance and just said, oh, that's good. And then... No, I think he said that he wants to sign a new deal um, and it's something, or, or that he's interested in staying at Lincoln now, but I didn't see that he'd actually signed one. Oh, I, I misread that. That's clearly me then. I misread that. Yeah. Um, it was just at a glance. But yeah, that would be useful. But yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, if you're saying new players, if we're not allowed to say players on that we've currently got in the squad on loan or not, it would probably be a a, a right wing back, like a, a dedicated right wing back. They're really attacking, someone that can run with the ball. Um, obviously, Paul has been outstanding there, but he's also our best centre-back when he plays there. Um, and if we are thinking that we might be losing either to a fee in January or potentially end of the season if his contract is up, if there's a bit of uncertainty there, you take him out of the team and this, this is no disrespect to TJ Omer at all because I think he's been fine. I think he's been solid enough. 
compared to Regan Paul in that position, he's just not as good. And there's, there's no denying that. It would be to find a permanent sign-in who can play in that role for the next couple of years that we can that we can be kind of settled on. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's and if we that. if we do have to pick a new role um, and a, a new player, then when I was young, every time it used to come to Christmas, I used to want one thing for about I'd say when I was young, probably for about three years in a row, I wanted one thing. I wanted to scale electrics. And every year I didn't get it, probably because I also wanted other things and I got those. But I used to remember always saying I want scale electrics and never getting it, never being disappointed. Well, you know, I always had good Christmases, but it was one thing that I, I, I never got in that little time period. So I'm going to name the one thing that we say every single transfer window that we want um, and that we never seem to actually get. And that's a fallacy because last year we signed a number nine in Ben House and he's playing number nine for us this season. So we, you know, it, it, it's a lie or it's just a good analogy. Um, yeah. I'd like to see us sign another number nine. And I'm not talking particularly about starting number nine, I'm talking about something I say on this podcast every single week. I'd like us to sign a big, ugly bastard to come off the bench for the last 20 minutes to pump long. Last night against Southampton, we brought Tom on. I like Tom. Tom's fine. But if we'd brought on a Matt Reed, just a bit more mobile, a bit more league one friendly, that we're just going to stick it on his head every time and get the Bishops and the Diamonds and the Garricks and the Mandrews running in and around that person. I'd love us to sign that. We won't. It's a luxury. It is a luxury. We're not going to, we're not going to waste the wages on a Sam Winnell as Burton did or on a, I think Winnell's played, well, he was a free agent for them. And I think he, was, he started yeah. one and played, come off the bench eight times or something. Yeah. Joe Dodu's there. They, he was, he was similar the year before, wasn't he? He was the free agent after the transfer window and everyone said we should sign him. And he went to Doncaster and they went down. It's a luxury. It's a luxury we're not going to afford, but it's a luxury that like that scale electrics, every mm. single transfer window, I'm going to say that's what we need. And we signed John Marcus last transfer window as well. So yeah. Yeah. So we signed two forwards last with it, but neither of them fitted that. that and style. Charlie Kendall. <laughs> we signed three strikers. Four strikers. Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, but I, I, I've always, I, I like a target man. I've always liked a target man. I think it just gives you an out ball. Um, it give, it gives you an escape. So you're not just picking it up the pitch. Like in those situations where you like, you don't, even if there's teams that want to play football, if you're in a sticky situation, if you, it's it's the right decision to clear our lines here. To know that you're not just giving the ball away and, you, and you're setting back to defend, you've got a chance of it getting stuck and it getting held up or it making it awkward for the centre backs, and then you can pick up the seconds. I like a target man, always have, always will. Um, and what I've noticed this season, not many teams start with a target man. Very, very few start with that style of forward. Almost every team that we've played against brings one on. Yeah. Almost every team has that style of forward. Um, a few of them have been signed from kind of more obscure divisions. I think um, was it is it Fleetwood or was it Accrington who signed the guy from Fleetwood in um, in Ireland? And he looked a real handful. There's a few been a few others as well. And yeah, like I will never say no to that as I just like a target man. I feel like it's just it's just it's just another weapon to your arsenal. I don't think I'd ever want to start with that player in the majority of the games. But yeah, and then how do you attract someone that you say, hey, you're not going to start, but you are going to come on? You know, yeah. to affect games. You know, the only way you do that is probably by signing someone from a lower division who wants to make a name in the in the next in a and make a step up. Yeah. And realistically, there's not many young players that play in that style anymore. Yeah. You know, most what I've realised is to be you can call me a manager, like very very amateur manager is everyone just wants to play in the ten role. <laughs> all, all the all the kids, all the young lads just want to get on the ball and be creative. No one wants to score goals anymore or be a big ugly bastard up top. No one likes it. <sighs> 
That's a shame I would have been perfect made for that. I mean, not particularly big, but I could definitely have been the ugly bastard up top and I probably wouldn't have scored goals. Two things before we go. First of all, simple yes or no. He's available for loan. Teo Eden, would you take him back? Yeah. On loan. Yeah, fantastic. And the other thing, something that the uh, commentator on ESPN said yesterday, and when he said it, I thought, that's bollocks. And then I realised, actually, he's telling the truth. We only signed Max Sanders last year. In the last January? Yeah. The January before? It was, yeah. So last year, as in January 2021, because he said Max Sanders signed last year, and I thought, "Ah, he's got that wrong. Just like he'd got Sean Ruffin wrong. And 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 he was... Technically correct. I bet he, he didn't did. know. I bet he didn't know he was correct, though. Oh, I don't know. There was one or <laughs> two things he didn't. That's did just that's say? just my that's my um, uh, skeptic skeptic skepticism. He said something about us being in League One for a year or something, and he just made two or three mistakes. And he, but I thought overall, actually, he was he was all right. He did keep calling Sean Rowe and Sean Ruffin. Which no, you know what? I was I did something that I hate. Then I did something that I really annoys me when other people do which is have an opinion on something they don't know anything about i didn't i had it on mute i didn't have it on the sound <laughs> so i didn't even hear him i just had the opinion because I, just, I had this picture in my head he got something wrong he didn't mean to get that right because no one means to get that right you wouldn't say last year if you if you meant it was like 23 months ago no um so but yeah, uh, I, I apologize for being a massive hypocrite there yeah, it's all right. I do it every week. I don't apologise. Um, he probably looked down just like when the players were and when they signed. It was was then he said Ted Bishop signed last year, and that was obviously again he did. And yeah, it was just the, the whole thing spun me out. The years and seasons. Like I used to live my life in seasons. People would say like, "Oh yeah, I remember that night out." It's like, "Oh yeah, it was at the beginning of such and such season." It's like, "No, it was in bloody August." So anyway, there we go. It's our first ever official Talk Sport um, podcast. Uh, I think there's not really much more to say other than, and this is quite, this is a Christmas pun. That's a wrap. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if we're doing anything between Christmas and New Year as yet. We'll announce it in due course, follow the socials, blah, blah, blah. But other than that, I think all that remains to say is Merry Christmas and up the imps. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, see you Boxing Day. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.